Today's show is sponsored by WordCraft. Do you have an online craft business but struggle to keep up with writing web copy? Do you need an editor for your craft book or a writer for your craft fair application? Then you need WordCraft, communications for creators. At WordCraft, Lauren Lang offers communications and editing services for artists and artisans, and she can customize any package to fit your needs with affordable rates and a quick turnaround. Visit her today at wordcraft-editorial.com. Welcome to episode 62 of the Walsh Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, I'm visiting the offices of F&W Media here in Sudbury, Massachusetts, to talk about craft magazine publishing. I'm sitting with my guests, Vivica Hansen Negri and Kate Kalakas Prado. Vivica is the editorial director and editor of Quilting Arts Magazine, Modern Patchwork Magazine, and related titles. In addition to writing and reading about quilts, she also enjoys the creative process of the craft. An avid art quilter, her work has been exhibited throughout New England and is, in, is held in private and corporate collections. In her free time, she loves to cook, travel, hike, and read about cooking, traveling, and hiking. Vivica lives on the Connecticut shoreline with her husband and children and is a member of Studio Art Quilt Associates and the Modern Quilt Guild. Vivica, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Kate Kalakas Prado is the senior e-commerce online editor for F&W Catalog Brands, having spent more than a decade writing and editing for Quilting Arts, Cloth Paper Scissors, and, Daily Quil- and Quilting Daily. She considers herself a fabric, and fabric aficionado, one who enjoys collecting fabrics, especially vintage and fibers, more than actually making something from them. She's written two books, Mixed Media Self-Portraits, Inspiration and Techniques, and Inside the Creative Studio, Inspiration and Ideas for Your Art and Craft Space. In her free time, she loves to bake, prowl flea markets, go to the theater, and document it all on Instagram. Kate lives in central Massachusetts with her husband. Kate, welcome. Thank you. So um, today we're going to be talking about craft publishing, magazine publishing, and Vivica, I'd like to start with you. I'd love to hear a little bit about your career path. I know you started your career in biotech pharmaceutical sales, and I wonder how you uh, got there from having an English degree and then got here from there. Yeah, it doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I started in pharmaceutical sales right outside of college. Um, it was my first job and was very lucky to be hired by Genentech a year after that and uh, started in the biotech pharmaceutical sales um, arena. I moved from Maine to California with my new husband um, back in the late 1980s and uh, had a wonderful career with Genentech, then moved on to Genzyme and worked with them for another six years. So I have a little bit more than a dozen years of uh, biotech pharmaceuticals under my belt. It became obvious after my third child was born that I had a choice to make whether I was going to do the pharmaceutical thing really well and have a nanny raise my kids or do it myself. So I stopped working at that point outside of the home and found that I needed an outlet and needed to find a way to really define myself because I think a lot of us, um, especially women, when they leave the corporate workforce, I think we find uh, an empty space 
and I was really worried about that empty space, you know, becoming something that wasn't positive. So I thought, well, there's this great little group of quilters that lived not too far from me that I had heard about um, in Northern California. They were the Muir Beach quilters, and it was probably half a dozen women, hippies, um, that had sort of lived in a communal environment, and they just sort of embraced me and taught me about quilting and art quilting. And so they were really the, um, sort of like the grandmothers that didn't live near me. And I felt just this wonderful, um, not only association and camaraderie with them, but I really learned about quilting and um, eventually moved back to Connecticut. And after about a dozen years, I, not even a dozen years, probably nine years after stopping working, um, I had the opportunity to interview for the position at Quilting Arts. I had found the magazine and it really um, opened up my eyes to what quilting could be. And um, I just, I'm really appreciative for the opportunity to have been able to transfer my love of art quilting and my love of the craft of quilting, my love of reading and writing and all of that um, into a career. So, so how long ago was that when you came here? About four years ago. Okay. Yeah. And since then, you I know you helped to launch the premiere issue of Modern Patchwork back in 2012. I would love to say that I did that, but, but I think that was mostly Helen Gregory. Okay. Helen, that was Helen Gregory's baby, and um, she just saw that trend coming, I think, well before any of the others, any of us, you know, realized how big it was going to be. And Helen launched the first one. She was the editor on the first one. And... I, you know, saddled up next to her and said, I really want to do this. So um, as, as her career changed and she moved on to bigger and better things, I was so fortunate to be able to take over Modern Patchwork. And I think I did that on the second issue. Okay. I think so I was pretty part, early yeah, in. Yeah. 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 the second issue. Yeah. And Modern Patchwork is a wonderful magazine. I Thank you. I really like it. And I will just say for full disclosure that I've written a few articles for it and have and we felt so fortunate <laughs> to be able to contribute. So, um, all right, and Kate, let's talk um, a little bit about your career path, too. I first met you, I think, back in 2009. You were writing an article for Cloth, Paper, Scissors about me. Right. Um, <laughs> way back when. So tell us about your path from uh, Boston University to F and W. I know you worked for the Boston Globe for a while. Right, right. Uh, I've worked in probably every aspect of communications. I got my uh, master's in mass communications at BU, and and from then uh, I've worked in advertising, PR, uh, community relations, all of that sort of thing. But my true love is is writing and journalistic writing. So I uh, had been doing that full time, and then. Um, did a couple of other things, uh, and then had kids, and like Vivica, I was, I, you know, there was just no way that I was going to stop um, writing, and fortunately was able to, to work that in, so I, I freelanced, and I freelanced very regularly for The Globe. I had a weekly um, uh, people column that I did on West, the western suburbs, and also wrote frequently for the careers section that they used to have, and so through that, uh, one of the people that I was told about to interview was Pokey Bolton. And I had never heard of her or her magazine. I always loved quilting, not doing it, but the fabrics and looking at it and thinking, oh, I'd love to do this. If only I could do some math, that would be great. But <laughs> I, I'm a journalist, I don't do math. So, you know, that was a problem. Um, but even when I was a kid, you know, when I was a adolescent and I used to watch Erica Wilson 
do her uh, embroidery shows on uh, PBS. And, you know, I was, I was a, a fiber geek, I guess, back then. And so, and I did needlepoint and I did all that sort of the cool and all that sort of thing. So I always loved fiber and fabric. And, but I didn't know anything about quilting. So when I first met Pokey, you know, I interviewed her. We did a story. That was great. But we just kind of kept in touch. And um, I never offered to do any freelance work for her because I thought, well, she has actual quilters doing this. She doesn't need me. But when she was about to start uh, Cloth Paper Scissors, then that's when uh, she was, you know, just sort of emailing saying, oh, I'm, you know, really very busy. I'm trying to launch this new magazine. You know, I need some help. And I said, well, I'd be happy to help you, you know, if there's something that I can do. And she said, oh, that would be great. And so I interviewed and, and I got the job. And that's when I started working for them and uh, launching, uh, helping to launch Cloth, Paper, Scissors. And as we kind of went along uh, and were bought by Interweave first and then FW, but back when we were um, bought by Interweave, we started doing more online um, activities. Obviously, you know, that was people, we, we launched the Quilting Arts Workshops where we had, you know, one person going through and doing this whole uh, tutorial on how to do a work on a particular subject. Uh, and so there was that aspect. And then there was, you know, uh, email newsletters. And I kind of was the the writer at large, basically. So if we needed ad copy, I'd write ad copy. We needed, you know, an email newsletter, I'd do the email newsletter and kind of learned all that along. And when we got to Interweave, um, at a certain point, I kind of had to make a choice of whether I was going to continue on in that area and do more of the online stuff or if I was going to stick with being a traditional editor. And I felt that there was more opportunity for me and the kind of things that I'd done before to go in and online. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. I like the fast pace. It reminds me a lot of working in a newspaper. And uh, of course, that, speaking of fast pace, I mean, that just has continued and continued. And then social media came out. So, you know, then I was the person put on that and um, so on and so forth. And so, you know, I have worked uh, writing this, the cloth, paper, scissors blog. Um, I've worked with Vivica on the blog post that we've done for uh, Quilting Daily. Um, and then for a while, I was also managing some other folks who did quilt the, uh, some of our other quilting uh, brands, Fonz and Porter, Quiltmaker, McCall's Quilting, etc. And uh, very recently, an opportunity came up to grow our catalog business, which is fairly new to FNW. And that's Keepsake Quilting. Pattern Works, uh, Keepsake Needle Arts, which is going to be able to take me back to all that uh, that needlework that I that I love to do, and um, Craft of Quilting, which is a relatively new. We launched that a, a few months ago, and that is uh, it's a retail catalog website. Uh, but in both that and on Keepsake Quilting, we want to add a content element to it, and Craft of Quilting is primarily geared toward the modern quilter. Uh, the people who read Modern Patchwork, uh, who are in the Modern Quilt Guild, that whole aspect. And so... That's exciting. Yeah, very yeah. exciting. Yeah. And how did you learn about SEO and some of the online... I mean, it's a pretty fast-paced and ever-changing field, and, you know, it's hard to sort of get any formal training in it. You really do have to sort of learn as... Because it constantly changes and develops. So how did you learn about... I mean, I know you, you know quite a bit about SEO and all of those things, so... 
Well, you know, speaking as someone who has been a writer and editor in the you know traditional media for a long time, let me say that I went, I learned SEO um, kicking and screaming and hating it. Uh huh. Um, so when I try to talk to editors now, and they're like, "Oh, do we have to write the title that way, or do we have to whatever?" I sympathize with them completely because it just seemed like, oh my gosh, you know. We're writing for Google. We're writing for Google. <laughs> right. How is that even, you know, and certainly as, as a journalist, right. writer, you know, like, right. no, we can't do that. Right. But once I learned more about it, then from a personal standpoint, it became more like kind of like a game. Can I do this well and still, you know, can I make it sound good and still get those words in there? Um, but also, uh, I just, you know, it's just the way that everything's going. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So in terms of how to learn it, uh, it, it was a little bit forced down my throat, but we had, when I was at Interweave, um, they hired uh, someone, Danielle Warbrick, who is a fantastic uh, uh, communications marketer. And she had known it and she trained us. And we also went through, at that time, uh, the, what's called the Makota system uh, that's done by the Makota company. And that is uh, a whole package of, ways that you, you know, reach out online and use SEO. And so they provided a lot of training um, and we all got certified to, to be able to do this. But the thing is that it constantly, it constantly changes. changes. Yes. So a lot of the things that I learned then, you, you know, you have to kind of keep up with yes. it. It's, it's a huge challenge. It, it is. We just over, uh, overhauled the um, Quilting Daily website. And uh, one of the reasons why we did that is partially to freshen it and to bring the a little bit of a more modern approach into it as well from the modern from the quilting uh, angle but also because a lot of how we had set up originally in 2008 just doesn't google was just punishing us all over the place what we were doing was right at the time right but with systems and with you know, we weren't on wordpress we weren't on any of that sort of yeah. thing and so we just we had to change it all yes. and it's remarkable i mean it's been what two weeks mm -hmm. And we're already seeing much more visibility and it's so whatever. worth so it, the effort yeah. to put into making those things updated, even though it's painful yes. <laughs> from financially to yes. and <laughs> as far as how much time you have to sink into it. But it is worth that's right doing. I know from redesigning my blog from its old incarnation to its WordPress new incarnation. My goodness, it was a huge sink of time and money, but it is it was so worth it. I mean, completely worth it, so I can understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, as one of those people that is totally kicking and screaming now, <laughs> I can say, I am so glad to have had Kate's expertise in this, because as she says, it's this total game to get the SEO right, to make it sound like you're not using SEO. Right. And I just... I am so appreciative of every time I send her a title and I get back something and I'm like, wow, she made it work. Right. And it's, it's been... It it's is like a puzzle. Really it's it totally like, like a puzzle. puzzle. Yeah. But we have to You have, have to, to work. You have yeah. to play the game. It. Yes, mm -hmm. if you want to survive. So, which brings me to, to thinking about craft magazines now. So let's turn mm -hmm. a little bit to sort of a magazine realm. You know, I think magazines are at a particular moment right now. It's a, it, it's a hard moment maybe for some and um, a time that they're getting a little bit squeezed and we're seeing some titles close and... Mm -hmm. um, and that's always sad when that happens, if it was your favorite magazine. So um, so I feel like, you know, when you're looking at print magazines now, what is working? Like what, when you work on Modern Patchwork, when you work on some of the titles that you're working on now, like what, what do you feel like this is still working? Like these are things that people will still spend money mm -hmm. on, that they still really crave and want and savor. What's working? 
Well, you know, I always look at my own spending habits when I think that way. And what really is working and what I spend my money on are lifestyle magazines and seeing gorgeous images. Because I think now one of our biggest competitors isn't actually other magazines, it's Instagram. It's the, it's the you know, excuse the language, but it's almost like visual porn to see these beautiful images all the time on Instagram and that everybody is presenting themselves in the best way and presenting what they do in the best way. And I think as, as print magazines or uh, digital downloaded magazines, um, bookazines, et cetera, all of this, we have to really take a look at how we're visually presenting things. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you look at modern patchwork, there are, you know, in excess of 20 patterns within each magazine. Each pattern is worth between 4 and $9 if you were purchasing it individually from, a, uh, from an individual designer. So right. we know that we're giving a very, um, you know, a very nice product for a, it's a premium price, but a, you know, a, a reasonable price. And so what we have to do is make sure that there's that visual aspect within each magazine. And it has to also um, hit a broad audience that is also a niche audience. And so, you know, the beginning quilter needs something in a, mm -hmm. in a visual magazine like that. We have to have something for people who are, you know, into the business side of it. Um, I'm always looking for projects that are spot on as far as the trends go. And it has to be photographed in a really specific manner in order to have that lifestyle branding that I think that we're all just becoming used to because of, you know, Instagram, Facebook, etc. So that is what is working. And, you know, we've seen that with Modern Patchwork, which is doing quite well, and with our QuiltCon um, special interest publication as well. Yeah. And what do those lifestyle photos look like? Like, what what is it? Describe what those photos look like, the ones that you're talking about. <laughs> They're pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, like you sleep in a field with uh, a beautiful quilt on you. <laughs> you are referring to our most recent. <laughs> we, had, we had the most beautiful photo shoot this, oh. um, this August up in Maine um, for Quilt Scene Magazine. And, and what it starts with is we come into the room that we're sitting in right now with all of the quilts and projects and an outline of all of the articles from the magazine and sit down with our art director and say, you know, here it all is, what's the story that we're going to build? And um, we build a story for each magazine um, that, has, that has really specific color stories that go along with it and very specific um, feelings that go along with it. And we separate the projects into separate stories within that magazine. And then we build, um, we build a specific feeling for each section of the magazine. So, you know, this sort of sounds more complicated than it is, but, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to find a way to pull the reader in. And for instance, this magazine that Kate was referring to, we had approximately 15 or 20 projects. Um, and, and our art director looked at them and said, you know, these would be beautiful photographed in a field, early morning field situation with a barn and everything. And I'm thinking, well, how are we going to do that? Because we're in the middle of Sudbury, Massachusetts, even though there are barns and fields and everything here. But she had in mind a specific barn and field in Maine. And um, so what those photos from there look like is, is that somebody took their home and, and just made that home uh, incorporate a, a gorgeous sunny morning, a beautiful barn with um, 
with incredible lighting and uh, intense colors. So you just wanted to be a part of it. So the story that we were trying to tell um, was really a visual story that mixed vintage and contemporary fiber and um, and the textures of yeah. the of the field and the flowers and the way the light hit and the barn. Mm -hmm. You know, we did some things actually in the barn and. It was just like, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to work there. I want to sleep there. Mm -hmm. I want to. It was magical. Yeah, it was magical. And, you know, the other part that was so magical is we had so many great photos. And I posted them all on Instagram all day long. Then I'm like, what are we going to do with these extra outtake photos? Mm -hmm. And so I used them in the, uh, I used them in the editor's note. And instead of having, you know, the big mug of me in there, which mm -hmm. is usually in there, I said, let's just make it about that day, mm -hmm. you know? And so... When you're, when you're doing a lifestyle magazine, you're really trying to, to show what that's like, mm -hmm. you know? That's so incorporating the, the quilts into, you know, a, a setting that's, that people could imagine living in or aspire to live in. It's, it's really an aspiration. Right? Yeah. And I think in some ways, sewing patterns now generally are sort of aspirational. <laughs> um, I mean, I have plenty of people who I think buy patterns and don't actually sew them, but aspire to sew them at some point. Well, that would be me. Fabric, <laughs> you know, collecting fabric is certainly the same way. We all do that. Yes, and, and, and also buying a magazine is, is and, or mm -hmm. even books is also an, sure. an aspiration. And so creating that it's aspiration, but also inspiration. And inspiration, Because, right. you know, you might, I might buy a magazine. I buy um, Martha Stewart magazines yeah. all the time because of the food. I mm -hmm. see those beautiful, you know, they're, they're beautifully styled photos and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I work a lot. I don't have time to cook like that, but I have time to think about cooking like that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing for quilting or crafting. Mm -hmm. You know, we have... We have these fantasy moments of really wanting the inspiration, and sometimes it's just seeing five different colors together mm -hmm. that makes you really think about it the next time you're designing a quilt, or, you know, you see that sometimes it's also just the one prop that was in there, and you're like, gosh, I have snowshoes like that. Why don't I hang my quilts like this? And I need that magazine just so I can remember. Right. You know. Right, but but then you also do really compete against Pinterest, right? Mm -hmm. For example, where you can pin it to quote remember. But you although, can't take Pinterest into the bathtub. You can't, and that's the great thing about a print magazine or a yes. book is that you know we can we can take it in a different way. Mm -hmm. yes. I also think we're in, in a, a somewhat unique position at the craft uh, publishing uh, arena in that. People who like the things that we write about mm -hmm. are very tactile. Mm -hmm. And so, although I would never say, oh, we're always going to have paper or we're always going to whatever, I still think one of the reasons why we've been able to do to do better than say, you know, or to, keep, to hang on to a magazine rather than say, you know, a CIO magazine that just went completely digital mm -hmm. is because nobody needs to hold they don't get the satisfaction of, oh, I'm holding the paper in my hands and I'm, watch, I'm looking at, I'm this close to that quilt. Um, and just having that, that we're just mm -hmm. tactile folks who like that um, that experience. And I still, you know, I, I am on my phone constantly and big into Pinterest and big into Instagram, but I still like to hold that magazine in my hands and read. Mm -hmm. It's just a different kind of experience. So I think... 
even though overall everyone is going more the digital way, I think we've been able to hang on a little bit longer. And bringing in these beautiful photos uh, really helps that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I mm -hmm. think they enhance one another. Mm -hmm. I really do. So I think it's here to stay. Well, the other thing is that in what, in what I do is trying to bring that content then onto the online. And instead of just having, you know, here are some stark pictures of what this fabric looks like or what this quilt kit looks like, mm -hmm. it's imagine yourself, you know, in the field and now you can, you can buy this, this kit or this is the kind of, these are the kind of folks that you can hang with or what your house would look like if you made this and, and putting that online as well mm -hmm. and telling that whole story. Mm -hmm. You know, so telling a story mm -hmm. is, you know, what we all try to do yes. and people want to be part of that story. Yes, exactly. And the online aspect gives you an, a chance to show some behind the scenes part of a story. And that's important too. Right. People love to get that glimpse behind the curtain. I'd like to take a minute now to talk to today's sponsor, Lauren Lang of WordCraft Editorial. My name is Lauren Lang, and I own WordCraft, which is a copy editing and copywriting business for creators. Okay, so who is like your ideal kind of client? My clients sort of run the gamut between creative businesses, meaning uh, like people who are very active or corporations, even businesses that are very active in the craft and artisan sector. And then I also help the small business owners um, who have small craft businesses and who need writing or editing work done. So these can be people who... You know, they, they want to publish an ebook, they want to um, publish a website, they want to publish um, more information or product descriptions, profiles on their Etsy shop. So it really sort of runs the, runs the gamut there. That's awesome. So you would write, for example, web copy. So like if I was redoing my about page, you could write an awesome profile of me. If we like chatted for a little while, you could redo my about page and make it something that people were sort of captivated by right away and wanted to learn more about me. Absolutely. It's a great idea to get another set of totally objective eyes and a set of eyes that knows what to look for, not just in spelling and grammar, but also in terms of consistency and style. And it's also really helpful to have somebody who understands the craft industry and understands exactly what it is that you're writing about. Um, and we in the industry call this subject matter expertise. So if you have an editor who understands crafts and understands, um, you know, sort of the handmade uh, side of things, then they can help identify holes in content. You know, I'm, a, I'm personally a quilter. Um, I do garment sewing. I have a background in knitting and needlepoint. Um, and so, you know, it's really helpful. Right. So you're like, a, yeah, it's not like you're a pattern tester per se, but you're like the person who's refining the the language that's in the, right. in the pattern. And I think that's incredibly valuable. Awesome. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, um, you know, they're not sure, they're thinking about it, they kind of want to see what their budget might be and if that might match up and stuff, how should they reach out to you? Um, well, you can visit my website, um, which is wordcraft-editorial.com um, or send me an email at wordcraft-editorial at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Lauren. And now back to my conversation with Vivica and Kate. Right. So, um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about um, 
how to get published in a magazine, because I think that that's mm-hmm. something that a lot of listeners might be interested in. Um, so if you are someone who maybe has never been published in a magazine but would aspire to do so, what should your steps be as far as, you know, either an article or most likely like a project? Um, mm-hmm. How do you go about going from, from, hey, I'm sitting at home having this idea to, all right, I've got a contract in front of me. What, what are the steps there? Well, I can tell you what I did. And, uh, you know, in that early part of my quilting career, I just moved to Connecticut and found Quilting Arts Magazine and was all gaga about it and everything. I thought, my goal, I, I, you know, I'm a businesswoman. And even when I was taking care of my children, I still, you know, had my yearly review of myself. I'd take myself out for a glass of wine, decide what my goals were going to be. I do the same thing, by the way. I have yearly goals, and yeah, you have to do performance evaluation. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So, so it was January 1st, yes. and I'm like, okay, I'm going to set my goals. And so my goal, this one January, was I wanted to be published in Quilting Arts Magazine, because that was, that was the one that I wanted more than anything else. And I had three or four other goals. I wanted to sell a quilt. I wanted to do this or whatever. But the big one was being published. And so what you have to do if you want to be published is you have to submit. And all magazines have submission guidelines, and they're probably online. Ours is on the Quilting Daily website. It's very easy to find under the magazine tab. And what you have to do is you have to put together an email. You have to look at the submissions guidelines. It's the same for writing a book. You look at the submission guidelines or the um, how to submit, and you put together your email. You have a well-composed photograph of what your project would be. Um, And in our particular submissions guidelines, it says um, a low-resolution photograph. That does not mean that it's poor quality. That just means that it's low resolution. And uh, you follow the guidelines and you email it to our submissions folder or submissions email, and it's followed through. But when I was starting out um, about, I don't know, 10 years ago, for lack of a better number, um, one thing that I did was I read the magazine very carefully, and I saw that there were wonderful opportunities for reader challenges. Um, and so in Quilting Arts, we have reader challenges. And I submitted a, for a reader challenge using Angelina Fibers. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that one, Kate. And I, uh, that was the first thing I ever had published. What, you and, what, what have you and Angelina been up to lately? Exactly. So Angelina <laughs> and I uh, had, had taken a picture of my then three-year-old son, and I uh, put a crown on him and sent the photo or sent the postcard in, and it was, it was the opening page of that particular spread. And I was just floored. I was just so happy. I think I walked on water, and that happened in, like, February. So I, like, checked that goal off. And I was like, I need another <laughs> But, you know, that's... But I think, I do think reading the magazine carefully mm-hmm. is an important yeah. step there. You have, to, you have to submit to the right magazines, too. Yes. Because, you know, we, at this point, we're, we are publishing 13 issues a year just of Quilting Arts, Modern Patchwork, and our related titles, and that totals probably around 300 articles or projects or whatever. So I'll tell you, I am looking for content, and I'm looking for appropriate content for my magazine. But you would be surprised at how many submissions come in without really telling us what they're submitting. Do they want to write an article? Do they want to write a, uh, have an article written about them? And I think that is something that, you know, obviously we do profiles of people, et cetera, um, of artists and professionals. But... We get a lot of um, very poorly photographed projects, and we get a lot of very professionally photographed projects. So it's really, 
we'd love to see what's out there. We'd love to see what you're interested in doing. And, you know, I would say a really important thing is to sign, a, sign your full name, give us your address, the dimensions of your project, what you're thinking about, look at our submissions guidelines, and, you know, we'll tell you within a two to three month period of time if we can use that project. Right. So, so. first, be clear on what it is you're submitting. Exactly. and. Uh, Compose an email that is concise, has all relevant information. Take a good picture. It doesn't have to be a professionally photographed picture, right. but take a picture with natural light that's really showing off your project. Mm -hmm. And make sure you're submitting an appropriate project to the right magazine so that you, exactly. you know, you're following their guidelines. I know when I um, pitched my books, I went to the bookstore and took all the books off the mm -hmm. shelf and looked at all the spines to try to learn about publishers, you know, right. which publishers are doing what, because it was just something I hadn't noticed before. I had noticed books, but I hadn't noticed mm -hmm. the publisher's name. And so I just sat there and learned about, okay, this is what Lark makes. This is what Interweave makes. You know, this is what all of these different publishers make. Mm -hmm. What do I, where, do, where is what I make? fitting with all of these. So exactly. there's a learning process when you sort of cross over from being a consumer to being a designer mm -hmm. and, and sort of figuring that out. What does the field look like? Yeah, one thing I'd add that I, I find a lot of people do is they will see, and I did this when I was pitching, you know, magazines when I was freelancing too. And as on being on the other side, I'm like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. of course that was foolish of me. But is that we'll run an article on something and someone will see that and say, wow, they're running an article on, you know, painting on silk. I paint on silk. I'm really good at it. And they might be fabulous. So they submit it. And then it's like, but we just ran, we that. just ran mm -hmm. that. And just ran that in magazine time is six months, know, six months yeah. at least. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, the very least. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've seen people get sort of annoyed, like, mm -hmm. well, of course, they do run this sort of thing. See, it was just in the magazine, but mm -hmm. we want to see something Fresh. new. Right. And then in a year, you know, if, if it's that great, we might hold on I'm to back. it. But right. it, it, then you can submit it again. And so you know, this is when people ask me advice about that. I said, you know, just pay attention and get a sense of the kind of thing that they run. If they've just run it, they're not going to do it again. For, so don't take right. that personally. Right. And also don't be afraid to submit again. I think that's Absolutely. something that I learned. Um, I had submitted something and not heard back and been like, well, they just aren't interested in my work. And then um, I read Lilla Rogers' book, uh, and she said, you know, sometimes the art director um, just, you know, already has a full slate of things and your project just didn't fit with the theme or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean that it's a comment on your work. It just means that it didn't fit now. So right. submit again. And I, that day that I read that I submitted again and was accepted for the next, you mm -hmm. know, series. So I was like, Oh, there are a variety of reasons <laughs> I why. I see now. I should yeah, try there, again. Absolutely. Yes. You know, it could be that we've, you know, we've done a lot of stuff that's red. So you know, has, we featured a lot of red And there's no it. way for a designer and, to know. To know. Exactly. Exactly. What's so that's happening. the thing. Exactly. Please, you know, keep, keep submitting and, you know. If it's quality. If it's quality. And definitely the reader challenges right. because that's definitely how we would go. Boy, that, you know, mm -hmm. that Susan Brubaker nap really sends us a lot of good <laughs> stuff. I, we, we might want to sign her an article. You know, that Vivica Hansen did not agree. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly But I think like that's that. really how it happened for it, me, too. Yeah. I submitted probably four things before I was finally, finally in the magazine, you know, for something I got paid for. Mm -hmm. So... 
Um, but it happened. So let's talk a little bit about getting paid. So what do those contracts look like just so people know sort of what to expect in a magazine contract? I mean, does the magazine then own the rights forever? Does it revert back to you? When can you expect to get paid? And sort of what does it, what does it entail? Because, you know, people have never been published in a magazine might not know how, how that contract part of it works. Well, first of all, every contract is different. And so, and I should say that every company is different, and you really have to look at the contract that you get from whatever company. Um, our our company, um, and for the magazines that I deal with, has two different types of contracts, and one of them is more for the articles, and the other one is more for the projects. Okay. And so the ones for the articles, they're very straightforward. Um, we pay generally um, when the magazines are published, and we own the rights to the articles. We don't generally allow the full PDF to be placed on someone's website because basically if you want to read the article, you need to purchase the magazine. Um, but we do give like the first page if a, if a um, contributor wants to have that on his or her website just as a way to help promote the articles. Um, the projects are, again, paid generally right around the time that the magazine is published. Um, and... They, the rights are supposed to revert back to the artist after one year. So, for instance, if you submitted a stuffy to us and we accepted it and we published it in Modern Patchwork Winter Magazine that comes out December 20th or whatever, December 20th next year you would have the opportunity to take your original submission to us, not the PDF that we create or the, or the words that we have edited it to because we always edit to our style, you would be able to take that and make your own pattern from it, and sell, sell it on it. your website, sell it, you know, as a as a printed pattern, et cetera. And I think that's very important because we didn't used to do that, and this is something that I fought for because I feel that it's very important that we treat our um, contributors in the same way that we would want to be treated if we were doing the contributing and have yes. that opportunity to, you know, promote their designs outside of the magazine. And I think that's a good thing to point out as a difference between submitting to a magazine versus submitting to like a collaborative book. So mm -hmm. a book where you have multiple contributors. Mm -hmm. In my experience, when you submit to a collaborative book, that project never reverts back to you, at least not in the ones that I've done. So the book is published and that's it. You mm -hmm. get your $200 or whatever it was mm -hmm. and you're done with that. You can never use it again versus submitting to a magazine six months or a year out, depending on, you know, your contract, mm -hmm. often the revert, rights do revert back to you and you can sell that original, you know, PDF somewhere else or on mm -hmm. your own website. So that, to me, that that makes magazine work. It's it's the same fee often, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, but it has a, a tail that you can then use. But it's a different, it's also different because, you know, I, I, I know that, um, you know, we all have really strong feelings about being paid as professionals in this business, but sometimes it really is one of the great ways to get your name out there to be in a collaborative book like that. And that opens a different kind of door, but it, it also, you have to look at it, uh, does this fit my goals, professional goals, right. to have that kind of door opened or to not? Or is this part of a multifaceted way that I'm getting my name out there? Right. You know, Building so. that resume. Absolutely. And establishing yourself as a name, yes, mm -hmm. in the industry. Right. And I, and it often, as you said, is multifaceted. Mm -hmm. so there's many steps that, that it takes to get there. Yes. Um, 
uh, to build a resume as a designer. So um, let's talk a little bit about what else uh, F&W offers besides just the magazine. So there's a lot more. It's a, a full media company, so there's a lot mm -hmm. more types of content available for people who maybe access, um, you know, prefer to access things in different ways, whether through video or, or other ways. So what else, uh, what other kinds of, of um, content is there out there? Well, we have a lot of video tutorial content, and you can get it in a variety of ways. For example, we have some PBS shows, Quilting Arts TV, um, Bonds and Porter has Bonds and Porter Love of Quilting, uh, and these are things that you can if you get that particular channel. And if you don't, by all means, talk to your local PBS station and make sure that you get it. But a little plug there, but <laughs> people always ask us, how do I get it? Make sure that they have it. Um, but anyway, so so those, and you can, you know, watch those on TV, free, whatever. That's that. If you miss them or if you want to have them all, um, there are a couple ways then that we uh, – make them available. And one is through, for example, on Quilting Arts TV, we, we have a CD collection of all those of each season, uh, each series. And so those come out and you can purchase that, whatever. Can you download them? Yeah. You digital can download download. them. Digital downloads. Mm -hmm. And then we also have uh, QNN TV, which is kind of, uh, everybody calls everything the Netflix of whatever, but mm -hmm. it's kind of the Netflix of, of quilting. And we have all the quilting shows that we do and all the uh, quilting tutorials that we do on any of the F&W uh, Quilt and Sew um, programs there, and it's a subscription service. And so you pay, you can pay for a month, you can pay for an individual video if you want, but the, the best deal is to either sign up for, I think it's three months or a year, and then you can watch as much as you want uh, and for that one price. And so we've tried to make that so that people, you know, I want to know, I mean, sure, you, I would think, especially for, say, the modern quilter, is that maybe you're not going to create a log cabin quilt in the traditional way, but maybe if you want to create a modern cabin quilt, a log cabin quilt, and want to learn more about that technique, you certainly could, could benefit from a Fonz and Porter video where they're giving you the very precise mm -hmm. traditional um, you know, method, method exactly, right. to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you can take that and interpret your own way. And then you might want to look at, an, you know, at a quilting arts TV uh, episode where they show you how to interpret that in a different way. So it's the kind of thing where, especially if you're, if you're new or if you're, have kind of got your feet under you a little bit with quilting and sewing, and then you want to say, well, how can I use this and interpret this in different ways? Uh, or gee, okay. I think I've gone beyond the, the, the baby quilts. I think I can go to a, a bigger quilt, and how would I do that? Then you can get that kind of information. So um, that is one of the biggest things. But we also you know, have a lot of tutorials that are free on YouTube mm -hmm. um, and the individual. Uh, we have webinars and web, we have online, online courses. We have now. online courses, yeah. So we're competing at, at all levels mm -hmm. for the right. eyeballs that are out there. And I think the good news is that Almost all craft publishers now are looking at the fact that they can't just be in paper anymore. Right. You know, you have to, you have to get out there and offer courses because you know Craftsy has made that quite clear that we have to all offer courses and they have to be good courses. And our the courses that we're doing right now, I think, are excellent. Um, and we all have to compete for the way that each individual wants to consume their 
That's um, right. Mm-hmm. Consume That's right. their information. I mean, I think one of the great things about the the Craft Online University courses is that they're um, they're very interactive. It's you know there's there's a difference between um, a quilting arts workshop video, which of course I think are fantastic, but you know someone is teaching you and and going along, but you mm-hmm. unless you know them or unless you take the uh, opportunity to reach out to them through email or social media, you don't get a chance to ask them questions. Whereas with the courses, mm-hmm. you can actually, you can have, a, you know, it's like taking a course in a university at a, right. you know, at regular mm-hmm. educational university. You can ask questions of the other students. You can, uh, you have a certain amount of time to get things done. You can ask mm-hmm. questions of the of the um, teacher. And it truly is an interactive, and then you have access to that uh, information for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And some of them even offer critiques, don't they? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it depends on what it is. Yeah. Some are short and some are long, so obviously, mm-hmm. depending on what it is, the, the price can vary mm-hmm. uh, a lot. But it's really the next best thing. If you can't travel or, mm-hmm. you know, you'd love to take a course from somebody, and again, this is, you know, obviously we're not the only ones offering this, but I, we're getting all the... You know, we have the advantage now with F&W of having every spectrum of the quilting universe um, from very traditional to avant-garde. And so, you know, you have this opportunity to come and to learn from all these people. And it's, you know, something that if you don't want to add the cost of travel Mm -hmm. to go to a retreat or that sort of thing, just not everybody can do that. Um, then this method of learning is a really, really good way to learn. Right. And are you cross-promoting so that, you know, in the magazine it's promoting some of the online courses and back and forth, right? So that I know um, my first book was published with Interweave before the F&W buyout, but um, I was just impressed that, you know, there was these four magazines and they were, promoting the book titles and mm-hmm. full-page ads. Like, I would open the magazine, and there would be my book on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and right in the middle of the magazine in a full-page ad. And um, and my book sold really well because mm-hmm. of that. And my second book didn't have that kind of marketing push behind it, Didn't mm-hmm. have, wasn't part of a company that had magazines, and so, mm-hmm. or that did that. Um, and so it just didn't sell as well because it wasn't promoted, cross-promoted to an audience that would be targeted like that. And That's I thought really, that was really helpful. That's one of the benefits, I think, of when you're, you know, when you're really thinking about your career and really thinking about, well, which publisher do I want to go to, to, you know, think about just how many tentacles does that publisher have into um, the craft world? Because the tentacles are, you know, print. They're digital, they are educational, they are, you know, great Pinterest boards, they're good websites, all of that. And, you know, when you think about what's the value of having a full-page ad in a magazine, you know, some of those ads sell for very far north of $1,000 a page, very far north of $1,000. So that is that is uh, something that your um, your publisher is really doing for you as a, um, as a great service as a book author. And it's the same way, you know, when publishers look at proposals for books, Mm -hmm. they're looking to see what is this author's or this potential author's social media reach? You know, Mm -hmm. what is their built-in audience? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, 
who is already out there who's a fan of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same thing that you should do as a designer when you're shopping for publishers, which is Mm -hmm. to say, well, what is their reach? What are they doing to promote me? So it's sort of, it's both, it's a partnership for sure. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, you know, there is a lot of onus on the author to do the publicity too. But, um, but anyway, you should sort of vet one another. Right. Uh, and not a first date. It is. It's an important first date. (laughs) Yes. But it's, it's a total collaborative relationship that, that authors, um, need to have with, their publisher yeah. because promotion is it's a sticky subject you know because books come out and you know you've got a very short period of time to make a big difference yes so. yeah and um, you want that team behind you mm-hmm. and it's not always available it just depends on where mm-hmm. you go so you should be um, be careful yeah. yeah absolutely all right so let's talk a little bit about the future of craft magazines so um, <laughs> when I told you I was coming for the podcast that was what I told you we would talk about and so um, so let's, you know, think ahead five years. It's 2020, 20, almost 2021. Uh, what is out there in craft magazines? What do they, what do they look like? Obviously, we don't have a crystal ball. There's no way to know if we I did know. It. If we did know, we would, uh, we would be very wealthy. But, um, but, but what do you think? You know, where, where do you see it heading? What do you think? Um, you know, it's, that's, and, you know, it's a totally predictable question, but I didn't prepare for it. <laughs> um, but when I think of it, I, I, I think back. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in order to know what's going forward, we think back a little bit. And you think back 10 or 15 or even 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. I, I think back to what, or even when I was a child, which was a little more than 30 years ago, I think about what my parents consumed from media. And that was, they had a morning and evening newspaper. We don't have those anymore. You know, we have newspapers, but we have one option. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the Boston area, I would assume that it's basically the Globe or, you know. The Globe and the Herald. The Herald. Yeah, the Globe. Most That's of the about Globe. it. Yep. Um, we, had, we had subscription magazines. People used to use TV Guide all the time. I don't know the last time I ever saw that one. Um, my, my mother got Piecework magazine. She got Vogue magazine. She, you know, she had subscriptions to all these different magazines. I subscribe to American Girl. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all of these different magazines. And now I think about my own household. And we get one newspaper. We get it over the weekend, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, because I work here, I don't subscribe anymore to Dragon Works. But I you do would. subscribe to <laughs> Paper Scissors because I love it. Um, and, you know, we get Smithsonian or something like that. We don't consume magazines in the same way. However, as crafters, if we want to have, um, if we want to have these magazines, we have to subscribe to them. Mm-hmm. We have to make a personal effort, just like we eat local and we buy local, we have to think about if we want to have these um, these great resources that not only inspire us but um, but also give us the aspirational things. It, you know, we have to take part in purchasing them mm-hmm. books as well. So where I see magazines going is I see that there will be print. There has to be print for magazines. Um, the print runs will probably get a little bit smaller, but we will always have that paper option. Um, but digital magazines are out there, and they are beautiful. And if you've never downloaded one, I really suggest downloading a digital magazine and then comparing it to what you see on the newsstand as well, because it's very interesting, you know, to see something backlit beautifully from your screen. Um, you know, just those photos that we were talking about right. from Quilting Magazine, when you see them on the screen, you're like, oh, magic power, Mm -hmm. you know, 
beautifully presented. And then you can keep a PDF forever and it doesn't get dusty on your shelf too. So And it can be supplemented too if mm-hmm. you know, if we get there where it can have audio as part of it or it could have beautiful links. Which I, which I didn't realize in the yeah. beginning, but everything is linked. Right. So, you know, if it, the advertisements are linked, everyone's um, website is linked when we, you know, publish your bio and we put washing apps at the bottom, you know, you can click on that and we go directly to your, you know, blog or website or, you know, whatever. So I really see that as being there. But I also see um, the magazines as having those extras you know, that we we can also provide video that goes along with articles. And we, you know, we obviously will link at the end of an article if someone has a DVD or a video now. But I think that those are, are going to always be there and just get better. They get better as video gets better and as downloads aren't as difficult to do and as, um, you know, internet and, connections are faster. Right. You know, we're going to have all sorts of options for learning and for, you know, seeing this terrific content that's out there. Right. Even in the last year, we've seen Periscope mm-hmm. come on the scene so that there's live streaming now because video is so much easier for people to have and, it's, you know, it streams so readily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these things constantly are, are changing and um, I'm excited to see, but I do think video is a big part of it for sure down yeah. the road. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh so if you weren't a magazine editor, where would you where would you be right now? What else would you be doing? Any thoughts on that? Is a final question before we get into your lists. If you if you weren't working on this, well, I always say that my, uh, my superpower or my uh, well, my superpower is talking. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told That's my husband this morning. Superpower. I said I'm going to have to be very careful to let the guest speak. <laughs> Uh, which I think I've done pretty well. You should host a podcast. <laughs> you talk all the time. No, honestly, a great I, interviewer. I, I think that I would love to do. You know, um, well, but my other thing is that that I love to get, give people advice. Like I'm very good at telling other people what to do, <laughs> which is I think kind of you know reflective is that I don't do stuff so much, but I tell you how you can do it. Right? <laughs> So um, I would love to have, uh, you know, a radio show, podcast, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. interview kind of show and, and interviewing and, and feature writing or feature talking kind of the way this is, yeah. is something that I just absolutely love. That's and fun. so that, that's what I would do. Yeah. I hope you guys do it because it's really fun. <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> well, what about you? Oh, I think I'd probably be in my studio. I really, really love to create. And the one thing that... I can't do as much as an editor is um, being creative and making art quilts and and uh, modern quilts and that kind of thing. And so that is that is one thing that I think I would definitely be doing more. You know, creating, selling, and uh, and being in the art craft world. Yeah. Did you get a chance, either of you, to go to Quilt Market or Quilt Festival? Unfortunately, this not, this not this year. year. I had a, my son was being confirmed that weekend, so I missed it for the first time. And But, you know, I was living through Instagram. And, As and you can so well now. <laughs> Rose DeBoer went. Um, she's our managing editor here, and she was, like, sending me pictures. And look who I saw mm-hmm. and everything. So I, I really, really missed being there. But um, it just sort of it solidified in my heart knowing that that's sort of where I belong to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although I think it's more important to do your family thing, um, it it was just a, a wonderful reminder to me that 
the people at market and the people at festival are my peeps and mm-hmm. my friends, and I appreciate them so much. And yeah, miss not being there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was my first time at Quilt Market, so it was a good, it was an interesting experience. I had a good yeah, time. It's yeah, it's intense, isn't it? It is intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I walked four miles on Saturday just walking, <laughs> and I only got to half the mm-hmm. show. It was a lot of walking. <laughs> it was good, though. It was really good. <laughs> so, um, all right, I want to get to some of your recommendations before we uh, finish. So, we'll start with you, Kate. Um, you wanted to recommend hand embroidery, which I actually love, too, and hand stitching. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um uh, well, the most recent thing that I did, uh, I did a couple of things. One is that I also, I have just a ton of stuff. And when I was doing my uh, cloth, paper, scissors blog, I was making things and it gave me an opportunity to do that. But lately, once I switched from that job, then I haven't, you know, it hasn't forced me to get into the office and to get into the studio and do that sort of thing. But I have a lot of things. So uh, I was asked as part of the team to for the quilting arts uh, 15th anniversary that we all did a little um, art quilt that was that went along with the challenge and I couldn't think of what to do and I wanted to include a lot of um, different things that I had learned which was kind of what was your your path mm-hmm. your learning path on quilting arts so uh, I ended up taking a lot of scraps of fabric that I had over dyed or soy wax fatigued or whatever over the years and put those together in a collage and then I embroidered uh, on top of that, and I used the lines in the in the uh, fabrics as guidelines to uh, to interpret onto with uh, with embroidery, and I like that so much that uh, Frances Holiday Alford had has asked a lot of uh, who's an amazing art quilter, been on the cover of Quilting Arts recently, Wins Awards recently, yeah. yes, whatever, absolutely fantastic, she's lovely, and she had sort of put out she does these collaborative quilts a lot, and so for her. 70th birthday, she asked on Facebook, she asked people to uh, create a six by six square. And she also had some certain, you know, I like red, I like, you know, Texas, I like whatever. So I found, um, and she she likes um, Asian fabrics a lot. So I found a Japanese fabric that I had. And then I, that had a red background. And then I embroidered on top of that. And really the more I did, you know, it's like anything else, you know, that, that art every day, yeah. Think the more you do, the more you can do, the better you get at it. And so now the more I'm ideas like, you have. Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting out of the embroidery. This yeah. is it. You know, how did I? And I also had um, my uh, youngest went off to college this fall. So um, not that I was, you know, that hands on with her, but, you know, there's definitely when they're around, there's, a, there's just something that, you know, you have to pay attention, you have to listen, you have to whatever. And so this is kind of my like, oh, I can just sit here and do embroidery and no one will bother me. Right. <laughs> so that's, <Imagine. laughs> that's what I'm into. And I, I definitely recommend, uh, if you haven't done it in a while, uh, it's just so satisfying. So it satisfying. Is. It's really freeing. And you, you're not tied to your sewing machine. Right. You can just do it whenever. Well, I had to laugh when you mentioned Erica Wilson because... I think that's children's television because I grew up watching Erica Wilson too. And Julia Child, that's, you know, every Saturday morning. Yes, you know? yes. Absolutely. These are, they're wonderful um, heroes. Absolutely. Hero for embroidery. I mean, my yeah. goodness, she was amazing. Just amazing. I got so, to meet her once. Oh, did you? In, uh, when I was, 
when I was a freelance writer, um, and uh, meet her, and she signed one of my books, and it was just, nice. it was, I, you know, I couldn't have met Paul McCartney and been more excited. <laughs> we all have our personal That's heroes right. to <laughs> go crazy for. Um, okay, Vivica, you wanted to recommend audio books, mm. um, which I love too and uh, listen to a lot. So what are you listening yeah. to or what have you enjoyed recently? Oh, I, you know what? I, I have a two and a half hour drive to get here. Uh, from my house and so wow. uh, on the way here it's always NPR but on the way home I sometimes you know let myself listen to something really fantastic so I um, I recently just listened to the one about Beryl Markham um, Circling the Sun mm-hmm. and I can't remember the author mm. but I really love memoirs and I'd, Me read, I'd read her memoir um, West with a Night probably 30 years ago and loved it and I you know I realize when I look back at my audio lists and, and my book lists lately, I do a lot of memoir, and it's mostly women, and it's mm-hmm. mostly um, either adventure or the inner adventure. And I just love the thought that women are so empowered, you know, that we have such strength and um, just an amazing ability to to share that with others. And I don't think men have it as much, uh, The that sharing thing. I think women are more into sharing. I could be very sexist by saying that, but um, I've really enjoyed learning about other women's lives that way. So um, everything from um, Barbara Kingsolver and um, Animal, Mineral, Vegetable, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting memoir, and Wild with Cheryl Strayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, the other one that I just recently listened to again was To Kill a Mockingbird with Sissy Spacek reading it, which was just oh incredible. God. Yeah. You know, so so it's just, you know, it's it seems to me that uh, we have this time that we can, you know, steal. And it's the driving time or right. the, you know, the cooking time or whatever. Laundry so. folding time. Laundry folding time, yes. absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's good for our kids to hear what we're hearing too because that's one thing that audiobooks allow is that, um, our kids can see that we have more than the dimension that they understand. You know, mm-hmm. They understand us as the people who give them food and, <laughs> you know, and fold right. their laundry. But, you know, that, that we have this other life that, yeah. you know, is fed by something that's literary or artistic. Yeah, my mom so. was always listening to NPR, always listening mm-hmm. to All Things Considered. Yeah. While making dinner, yeah, you grew up and with shushing that me, <laughs> you know, while I was trying to tell her about my day, so she could hear the story. Recently, my sister-in-law um, just called me and said, "You have to know this. You know, your brother, my husband, or her brother, my husband, is sitting out in the driveway." listening to NPR just <laughs> like his father. He's going to end up just like his father. Said, you know, He's having a driveway moment. He, he can't is, come in. No, I understand. Like <laughs> Those are the best moments. I get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Vivica mm-hmm. and Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Wall Street Apps podcast. I really enjoyed talking oh, with you. Pleasure. Thank you. And you've been listening to the Wall Street Apps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, wallstreetapps.com, where you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter. This Walsh and Apps podcast was brought to you by WordCraft, communications for creators. Whether you're a new craft business or an established brand, WordCraft offers copywriting and editing services to fit your needs. Contact Lauren Lang today for your free consultation. Visit WordCraft at wordcraft-editorial.com. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. 